Are you tired of playing the same old games over and over again? Are you looking to spice up your game night with creative new ideas? Look no further because we're here to add some excitement back into your game night. We'll even show you how to take your love of games outside the confines of the living room. We're your hosts, Lauren and Greg, and Friday is game night. Happy Friday, everyone. This month, we discuss games that are tiny yet packed with lots of fun. Greg explores vampire hunting with the help of a few good friends with 60 Outs Dracula, and we share our Friday favorites for the holiday season. Happy holidays, Lauren. It's the season of giving, it's the season of holidays, and it's the season of what did you bring to game night? <laughs> so I brought a little D&D fun this Ooh, month. I love it. Um, we will be participating in a D&D charity stream with the podcast Moral Combat, which is another podcast that we are on. Sounds like a fantastic podcast. <laughs> yeah. Um, it will be Friday, December 17th. Uh, at 4 p.m. Pacific Standard Time um, over on Twitch. Um, all the donations that come to that will go towards uh, mental health awareness. We did um, a stream last year that did uh, really well. Mm-hmm. Um, the, although last year we subjected ourselves to hot wings. This year we're subjecting ourselves to D&D. But the, the fun spin is the people who donate actually get to determine what happens in the game. Yeah, so you can donate money and decide that Lauren rolls with an advantage for this thing, or that Matt has a plus five to his next attack, or, or a dragon appears, or a dragon appears, or Greg um, loses, uh, a, drinks poison and loses one d eight worth of health. Yeah, like you can determine all of that. Yeah. Uh, the best thing that I'm looking forward to the most is Matt actually got a plinko board, mm-hmm. like they have on the wheel, of, not wheel of fortune. Um, the price is right. And he's actually going to be dropping chips down. And we have, he and I have already worked out like how it randomly goes. So there'll be like different things. Like if people say like $5, give me a Plinko chip, mm-hmm. you know, they don't drop down. And then it can either be like a random magic happens or it could be like someone's drunk and does something stupid. Like, like it could be like if you land on the drunk table, then you drop it again. It's like Greg throws a punch at the person they're talking to. <laughs> Why? Because he's drunk suddenly. <laughs> so it's going to be really interesting to see how the randomness gets involved yeah but we are our goal is to raise a thousand dollars uh what do you have the charity name on you i know it's for mental health it's that that's the charity it's called mental health awareness okay it's called mental health awareness yeah yeah and we have a promo for matt that we'll play at the end of the episode yeah as well. and that, that he'll do a much better job explaining everything because he pre-recorded it yeah <laughs> as for me um i love the holidays you know i love the decorations and all that but the one thing i really like is the food I think there's some amazing recipes that, yes, you can make them all year round, but I like to hold off and wait till this time of year so that way they're special. Mm-hmm. Like, of course, baking good batches of cookies with certain recipes. But I found some really interesting Hanukkah recipes recently. And mind you, I may not be Jewish, but I do appreciate the culture. And let's face it, ever since I tried potato latkes in the third grade, because one of my friend classmates was Jewish and he brought in some for mm-hmm. to teach us about Hanukkah, they're really good. I really like always crave them around this time of year. And since we have an air fryer, I found a potato latke air fryer recipe. So you better believe that we're going to celebrate this year. <laughs> so yeah, I'm going to be making some holiday treats. Um, there's all sorts of different recipes out there uh, for all sorts of levels of um, skill mm-hmm. for chefs from beginner to advanced. I'm... I'm Beginner about to become intermediate, I feel like. I've been helping cook a lot, mm-hmm. you know? So I think my skills are, at least my confidence is getting a bit higher. So I'm happy with that and looking forward to trying some new things. Uh, the one thing I was especially interested in is there's a peanut butter and jelly. I forget the name. It's like 
there's a there's a special kind of donut that they have for Hanukkah, but it's a mm-hmm. peanut butter and jelly like air fry donut. And I'm like, yes, that looks really good. That could be like a fun <laughs> dessert that we do for game nights. And like, what a fun spin on a classic PB and J, you know? So definitely gonna have that for game night. Maybe I'll bring some potato latkes for like an appetizer. But it's gonna be a great fun uh, food time, fun festival food time. <laughs> okay, so let's get into our main topic. Um, this one we are doing tiny games. Uh, ones stocking that are stuffer games. Stocking stuffer games, or even if you do celebrate Hanukkah, maybe these are good for one of the nights because yeah. they do like to spread it out over eight mm-hmm. nights. So any one of these, I think, would be a good gift during yeah. that time. So Lauren, why don't you start us off? What is one of your first stocking stuffers? Well, I think one of the like easiest go-to stocking stuffer mm-hmm. games would be from the uh, Paco Games uh, series. Okay, they are basically these very um, small portable games that are about the size of a pack of gum. Literally. Yeah, literally. Um, they're relatively un- inexpensive, maybe like five six dollars um, a game. Um, they're typically two-person. I have seen some that can go up to four people. Wow. Um, they are usually just cards. Um, it's kind of a couple. They, there's a bunch of them out there, but a few honorable mentions. Hue, which is kind of like a Tetris uh, color matching game. Okay. A Gem, which is a jewel collection auction game. Mm-hmm. And TKO, which is a little mini boxing game. That's cute. Um, not only are they, they tiny, a good little slip into the stocking, but they're also really good um, travel games. So something that you can easily have in your pocket or your purse, um, pull out while you're in line at Disneyland or on an airplane. Yeah, this can easily fit in your shirt pocket. Yeah, like if I said, you have one. Yeah. imagine a pack of gum that is the size of these games. These can fit inside girls' pants pockets. Yeah. The little, you know, the ones where like the you barely, test. you barely fit. What is like the first knuckle of your finger, and yeah. that's it. This can fit in there, so that's mm-hmm. a good one. Um, we actually do have one of them. I forget the name of it, but it's, it's like, like a spy, game. spy versus spy, where like you're trying not to find the bomb. Yeah, with it. it's pretty good. Um, one of mine that I thought was interesting, and keep in mind when we say tiny games, we mean literally something that you can fit into a puff, like your coat pocket, mm-hmm. you know, or down a stocking. Uh, which is, you know, I think people have an idea of what a typical stocking size would yeah. be that you can buy at like the supermarket or Target or something. So we're talking about that size and, you know, cost too. We don't want a super expensive thing. But one that I really like, they have tons of versions of, is called Timeline. Mm-hmm. And one reason I especially like this is because there's always that that pitfall that people go into of, oh, I want to buy my child an educational toy. Uh-huh. This technically fits that bill. Yeah. Because Timeline... It's a small box that's, you know, maybe six inches by six inches, and it has a deck of cards in it that have historical events or inventions, you know, like in this one. Yeah, I mean, the one we have is uh, inventions, but Mm -hmm. there are a bunch of different ones. There's events, there's music, there's tons of different ones. Yeah, they all have a different theme, exactly, Mm -hmm. and they're all interchangeable and work with each other, because what it is, is you will have a card face down and what's great is that the same wonderful pictures on both sides mm-hmm. but on one side it just has the picture for example it'll say uh the invention of the typewriter and on the other side it has the same picture invention of the typewriter and then it tells you the year so you have a timeline of six inventions or events or you know notable things throughout history notable people even and you then have with the times up so it could be like the invention of fire Venture the typewriter, Statue of Liberty, home computer. Mm-hmm. Okay, Lauren, you now have the telegraph. What does that fit? Between which inventions or historical events does the telegraph first appear? You know, uh-huh. So you have to kind of guess that. So it's fun because you can be shocked about, 
we haven't had matches for so long. Like, mm-hmm. how did we go until like 1895 without a match? Yeah, it's fun. It's educational for when things occurred. It can spark fun conversations, you mm-hmm. know? And it's just a fun game. And honestly, the art is amazing too. I think the art is fantastic. It's really enjoyable, really clean images. I, I love it. And there's dozens of these types out there for whether you want to talk about just like the discovery of certain species of animals, um, music, cinema, diversity, you know, um, it, it's, it's so many options. You can't go wrong with Timeline. Another one that um, is kind of a small box game um, about the size of a pack of cards is Deep Sea Adventures. Um, This can actually go up to six players. Mm -hmm. um, And you're all divers who are trying to get the most treasure before your shared oxygen supply runs out. Oh, that's fun. And if the oxygen supply runs out, everybody loses their treasure. Oh, so it's a kind of cooperative game then. Kind of, but not because okay. you're all you're all competing against one another. Ah. But so that's the thing. Like you can keep going back for more, but like if the oxygen goes, everybody loses. But if someone's got a lot, so someone's telling you, Greg, don't do it. It's not worth it. Yeah, or like if something happened and you couldn't get enough, you could just ruin it for everybody if you wanted. Wow, so that that's mean. Yeah, Fine, I'm just gonna swim down to the black depths of nothing. <laughs> that's a really fun idea. It's a fun balance there mm-hmm. of like. Technically, we're all competing, but we're also kind of working together. It's almost like Clank in terms of like the level of competitiveness, you know, because yeah. technically you're out, you're kind of playing your game, mm-hmm. but you can easily ruin someone else's game if you decide to get vengeful. Yeah. Again. And although this is a very small, you know, once again, stocking stuffer game um, and it is very portable, it does have pieces. Mm-hmm. So it's not like, you know, some of the, some of the games that are the most uh, kind of travel friendly are just like cards because there's less to drop or lose. This does have little pieces, so just be mindful of that if you're looking for a travel game. Okay, that's good to know. One of mine that um, I do enjoy, we don't get it to our table too often, but is Gloom. Gloom, as depressing as the name sounds, (laughs) is actually a really fun game in which you are in charge of a family of characters, and you lay these transparent cards of them, and it's all about storytelling. So if you and your gaming group or family are really good storytellers, you like creating narratives, that it can be really enjoyable. And specifically for the holidays, I do have one that's uh, a bit more family-friendly, a fairy tale gloom. Because let's face it, the Grimm's fairy tales, lots of murder. <laughs> yeah. So that we just kind of casually brushed over, like Little Red Riding Hood, for example. Uh-huh. You know. So it's great is that this actually has fairy tale characters like Pinocchio, Puss in Boots, the Big Bad Wolf. And you can build the family, customize however you want. And you just play cards like Kiss the Frog or fell down a well, or, you know, uh, hid in a cave. And it gives them, like, happiness or misery. And the point of the game is that you want your get, you want your story to end as unhappily ever after as possible for all your characters. So you want every character to be miserable and then close it out. So it's kind of a macabre, tongue-in-cheek humor kind of game. Really fun. It's only about six inches by four inches, the box itself. Pretty thin, too. It's all cards. Mm-hmm. Um the only issue I have with it is that you do have the character cards and then a few other specialty cards in there. And sometimes if you don't sh- put it back properly in the end, you have a heck of a time finding those character cards again. Because even though they're all clear cards that kind of overlay on top of each other, mm-hmm. like laminates, you know, after going like five or six deep, you kind of can't see through it anymore because it's still plastic that you're looking through. So maybe setting up 
or you know when you're packing up at the end make sure you set it back up properly for the next game so that yeah. when, once you finally get it back out you're ready to go but still that's a specifically fairy tale glue um one i have that's it's relatively new in fact it's kind of hard to find but i would i would love to see it in my stocking is ticket to ride track switcher oh um this is a new game from ticket to ride it is a solo player game it is a 3d logic puzzle where essentially what it is is you will be given you have this little kind of um game it's like a little cube essentially and it has some trains on it and inside the back are different cards that will tell you okay this is your starting position oh fun and then this is where you need to get the cars and it's kind of like a little slider game um so small extremely portable um something that would probably be really fun like if you're on a plane um, or traveling yeah. somewhere um to kind of play out some of these scenarios this reminds me there's actually that classic sliding puzzle i'm sure you've seen it where it's like oh get the pink car out of the parking lot and this yeah. like and these cars can only move up and down those except what's different about this is that it's actually themed for trains so i'm actually looking at it now and yeah you have a clear plastic train yard with different like the track loops up this way, it forks here, you mm -hmm. know, and you have to slide the trains back and up and down on the forks. And honestly, these are really fun puzzles, even in like video games whenever I play them. I've recently been playing yeah. the latest Spider-Man game mm -hmm. and they literally have this game as like a thing you have to do in one of the levels. Yeah. So, so it's really enjoyable. I would say it's, it's going to be one that's going to be a little bit hard to find because it is so new. I noticed um, the first site I went to, they were already sold out of it, mm -hmm. um, but I'm really eager to play it. I like, too, how they even give you rankings. Like, they, it says it has 40 puzzles, and the example they show here is you can do this in six moves. Mm -hmm. And if you do, you get three stars. If you do it in seven moves, you get two. If you do it in eight or more, you get one star. But I like that, and how it's kind of the challenge. Yeah. You know, of, like, this is possible, but if you can do it, it in a minimum amount of moves. It also gives it more replayability, too, because, okay, well, I've done this scenario before, but last time I it took me, like, eight moves. Let's see if I can do it in less And it's always moves. a brain scratcher. Like, they say it can be done in six. How is that possible? Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's a really great one. Um, my last one for today is, it's a bit of a thicker box, but it's still relatively small. I think you could fit this in a stocking. Mm -hmm. You know, like, maybe not much can go next to it. It's like, this is what you put in the bottom toe. Yeah. You know, to really, like, weigh it down some. Uh, it's called Cat Face. <laughs> Um, for those of you who have heard of, and I'm sure all of the listeners have heard of at some point or another, a Cards Against Humanity or pick the the winner, the judge picks. Judge, yeah. The exactly. judge picks the winner cards. Um, it's that. It's Cards Against Humanity or the judge picks the winner. Or, you know, like, um, what do you meme? Yeah, or it's what do you mean? It's very similar to that. Except this one is nothing. Like, so the black cards, the ones that is the target, are pictures of cats. <laughs> Just like, you know, pictures of, like, clearly it's like, Six people worked on this game. Mm -hmm. They have maybe about 14 cats between them. They just took a whole bunch of pictures of their cats. Like, here's yeah. one of a cat looks like he's in the middle of a sneeze or something. Mm -hmm. There's a cat who looks like he's spaced out, staring at the wall. But they're just adorable pictures of cats. There's, here's one on the laptop, mm -hmm. you know. And then, of course, you do have the uh, quote-unquote white cards, mm -hmm. which are cute expressions. Uh, or, as they call them here, the cat butt cards. So the mm -hmm. cat face is the picture of the cat. The cat butt is something like, when Bay just wants to talk about feelings, mm -hmm. you know, or another example, um, when you're feeling yourself, like, yeah, you know, and it's, everyone puts down one of those, whichever description best matches the picture and the judge's opinion wins, but it's adorable cats. Mm -hmm. And let's face it, I'm a cat daddy. I love my cats. <laughs> I love my kitties. And 
this is just really fun. It's clean fun. I don't remember. I don't think there's any like foul language in this one. There's maybe some suggestive things. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know that we've best. gone through all the It cards. says ages 13 plus. Yeah. So it's PG-13 rated. Yeah. You know, it's not going to be hard R or even triple X rated mm -hmm. like Cards Against Humanity is. But, you know, kind of in that similar vein to Cards Against Humanity, it's one that you can easily teach to someone. It takes one um, example. A good one to just break out when you just have a bunch of people who you want something light to play with. Yeah, and it's small. It's relatively portable. You know, it's not going to take up that much room. Like, if you put this in a pocket, like a coat pocket, mm -hmm. your entire coat pocket's full. But, like, I think you could still take it with you. Yeah. You know, and I, I just think it's a nicer, cleaner version. So if you've always wanted to play a game like that, but you're like, oh, but my, my dad wouldn't like that or grandma wouldn't enjoy that, I think this would yeah. be acceptable for everyone. Even another one that we like, um, we have Awkward Family Photos. Mm -hmm. um, and that's a good one, kind of in a similar vein. Um, and it uses movie quotes, and some of the movie quotes aren't P PG, you yeah. know? So even that one isn't as family-friendly as we might want. Mm -hmm. um, so the Unlock Escape Room games haven't gotten a lot of love from us in the past on Listen, this podcast. They do some things good. But and then the other problem is that there'll be like, this puzzle made no sense. And there's no yeah. one for me to yell at. Yeah. Um, and we do, we like them better than the Exit series. Oh, yeah. Um, so, you know, they... they they have their um, their good their pluses and minuses. Um, however, they have something really exciting coming out: um, the new Unlock Game Adventures bundle, which gives us uh, three unlocked games okay. based on popular board games. Ooh! So there's going to be a Ticket to Ride, a Mysterium, and a Pandemic. We have all those. Yeah. Okay. So so um, I don't know. Like this, it's brand new. It's coming out um, December third. Mm -hmm. So just in a couple days before this podcast drops but a couple days um after we record this yeah um so i don't know exactly the size i would say you know if you do want to give someone kind of a, an escape room um type game generally the unlock they're kind of a long and skinny box yeah those can um fit. those are definitely gonna fit i don't know that this new one because it's a bundle i think it's gonna be a larger I remember, box i remember when we went to one of the game stores near us i uh -huh. think it was geeky tees and games in burbank they had a box of a I'm picturing clearly in my mind of like a Star Wars trilogy, mm -hmm. but that was like a regular board game size box because yeah. it's three of them. Mm -hmm. So I think the one you're recommending, if it's, it's the three, gonna it's going to be too big. Yeah. But they typically do release each of those trilogy packs as individual Possibly, ones as well. Yeah, I don't know. They normally do. Because mm -hmm. I know for a fact that we had the Alice in Wonderland one. Or not the Alice in Wonderland, uh, Wizard of Oz one. Uh-huh. And I've seen that in a, in a triple bundle. Yeah, so yeah. The I... bundles are kind of a new thing that they're doing. This is really interesting because all three, if you know, like those three games are all made by different companies that are also different from the Unlocked It's the ultimate company. crossover that we so, want. So yeah, it is a very interesting kind of coming together of three major franchises, or actually four major franchises when you consider Unlocked. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to look it up here just it's to see. It's that one, I think. It's that one, yeah. I want to see if they do individual, though. I don't know. It, since it hasn't even come out yet, maybe they will. Maybe but... they will, but I don't think they're doing individual yet. But still, yeah. that's just the Unlock series in general, I think, is a great recommendation. But mm -hmm. this is fantastic. This is yeah. something to keep an eye out for. Definitely. I mean, it's something, you know, like I said, it's it's brand new. Um, so it might be a, a hard one to find, but definitely a, a fun Christmas uh, find if you can't can get if, a hold of it. If that. I open this, I'd be excited. <laughs> All right, so I think that does it for our main topic here for the, um, you know, smaller uh, holiday gifts. Hopefully, 
uh, you and your loved ones enjoy playing those. Mm -hmm. uh, now we're going to go on to our escape room report uh, with a little bit of a twist this time. Unfortunately, uh, when we had booked the escape room, because as we've said before, escape rooms are reservation systems mm -hmm. normally. It's rare for you to find an escape room, especially in this day and age, where you can just walk up and play. Yeah, yeah. Uh, remember when we were first doing this, we were like, why are people always assuming you can just do a walk up? Yeah, I haven't seen it as well. I probably partial part of it is the companies we've been doing. Um, every once in a while, when we would do an escape room that was in a more populated area, mm -hmm. like um, you catch a it mall, every now and then, yeah. or you would see a lot of people walking in, being like, "What is this?" Mm -hmm. And you know, "Oh, can I just do this?" And then they have to explain to them, "No, it's reservation." You know. Only. Yeah. But um, so we had a reservation for a room ahead of time. Of course. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, that day, you weren't feeling well. Yeah. So I was able to actually have our friends, Melissa and Chris uh, Giron, join mm -hmm. us. So here is my escape report with Melissa and Chris for 60 Outs Dracula. All right, guys, Greg here. Um, for this escape room report, we actually have special guests. Um, Lauren wasn't able to make it with me to the most recent room, but I had my friends Chris and Melissa here on there. Hey, guys, how's it going? Howdy, hey, going good. Thank you for having us. Hey, good to be here. Yeah, so you guys have been friends of uh, ours for a while. It's good to do another escape room with you guys. Uh, we once previously did that, remember that um, Down the Rabbit Hole? The Alice oh, yeah. in Wonderland one over in Upland? I forget the company that did that. Yes, I love the little voices, the little bunny voice. Yeah, little bunny voices too. But you guys uh, went and did Dracula with me um, about a week after Halloween, so almost uh, timely, I'd say. <laughs> so overall, um, have you guys done any other 60 out rooms before? Uh, I'm not sure of the company exactly, if they were from uh, 60 out or not, mm -hmm. but we have done other escape rooms before but i can't say for certain if they were 60 out or not yeah it's not familiar to me okay well overall what did you think of the quality of this room compared to other ones that you've done extremely well done very uh engaging thematically mm -hmm. and just a lot of different uh tools i haven't seen in other escape rooms before yeah the rooms were very detailed they definitely immerse you into the theming that they're going for. So I greatly enjoyed that. Yeah, so um, I, I, in case I didn't mention before, we did Dracula. So we were vampire hunters. We had an hour before sunset and Dracula would come out and, um, you know, exsanguinate us, I suppose, would be the correct term. Um, so uh, without going into too many spoilers, we'll just kind of cover some of the things we did in the room. Um, first of all, I think... The most obvious thing I want to talk about is the amount of lights that we had in the room. <laughs> what light? Yeah, what light? I mean, you had a couple orange kind of thematic glowing torches on the wall in most all the rooms, but like they don't really provide too much light. But talk to me about the light source that we did have, guys. We had one single lantern, and we weren't allowed to use our cell phones as lights either. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was uh, interesting. I don't think I even... My eyes fully adjusted to the room until we got to the second one. Your eyes adjusted? I, my eyes never adjusted. <laughs> Mine had adjusted shortly after she closed the uh, door, but even then, I still admit it was still a little uh, jarring. I know initially when we, when we came in, there was something that I saw jutting out of the wall, and I had my hand on it just to make sure that, no, that Melissa didn't get uh, 
poked by it because we were all still standing as they were explaining the rules to us and then found out, oh, that's actually a key component in the room that we needed to uh, oh, be wary useful. of. Oh, that's useful, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, when we were first walking in, I almost tripped over a major puzzle piece that was just right there. Next, and this thing's like hip height, you know? So I was like, oh, well, I, I couldn't see anything walking in anyways. So, um, yeah, it was, it was a little tough. And this room, uh, it's rated hard. And it goes from two to six players. Now, there was only three of us, but my concern is there's one lantern, which is essentially like a flashlight, but looks like an old kind of like uh, like a hanging lantern that you might see from like the Haunted Mansion, like Graveyard Keeper kind of thing, you know. Um, do you imagine that this room would have been much more difficult if we had more people? I actually would say, yeah, I would put a, maybe a four-person room, to be honest, just because it was already pretty tight spacing just in the mm -hmm. first uh, puzzle room. So if you had six people in that room, I just could barely imagine having much room to walk around, let alone look for anything safely. Especially since I imagine we'd all be asking for someone to pass the light back to us because we already had that a few times with just the three of us. Mm -hmm. So imagine more people and just light over here. No, wait, I need a light over here. Yeah, because the light wasn't strong enough to just... Sometimes you can shape, point the light straight up at the ceiling and it'll kind of cast light a little bit everywhere. It wasn't quite strong enough to do that. So I do imagine... With more people, this room is even more impossible because, yeah, everyone wants the light and no one can see what they're doing. Likewise, also, the uh, tone that they provided that we're also supposed to be referencing from, uh, oftentimes I was using the actual torches there to try and uh, reap them while you guys were looking at other puzzle pieces. Mm -hmm. that, I didn't realize that you were doing that. I didn't think you could. But, yeah, so one part that we will talk about is, as you said, there's a tome, this kind of, like, book that you're given with... Um, almost like uh, uh, legends in it for like how to defeat different demons and how to deal with different relics and artifacts. And what I liked about it the most is that the book has many different things in it and not all of them are used. Like there's different like texts about like different creatures and different artifacts and we didn't come across all of those in there. I was curious now. I didn't realize the room was rated for up to uh, six people in mm -hmm. it. So now that you bring that up, I kind of wonder if you had more people in there, would all six of those things be uh, active then? And oh, it, that's a good question. Hmm. Yeah. That would then give other people more things to look for, more things to uh, do while others are trying out other puzzles. That's a good question. I don't, I'm going to say no, just because we did the Jumanji room with six people once. And they only had four bracelets for like the, the, did you guys see the Jumanji movies where they go into the video game? Uh, right. The first one, I haven't seen the second right, one. Right, but yet. you get the idea with the first movie. The, the room that they did is licensed for that. So it's supposed to be you actually are going in the video game. And at the start of the room, you actually do select your character and go into the Jumanji room as that video game character. So you select like, oh, I want to be Dwayne Johnson, so I'm all about strength. Mm. But like, if you have more than four people, then you just the other two people are just there so I, I i like your idea that if we had more people there would have been more demons for us to defeat but i don't think so plus like i don't know where those puzzles would have come like you were the one reading the book did you see any other place or items in the room that we didn't use that would have been part of that admittedly i didn't look too closely at some of those other puzzles like there was uh one talking about I guess like a web or something, but I don't recall. Yeah, I don't seeing ever anything seen anything like, like a web. So I think it's just more because one thing I would never like is the whole idea of like a journal that you find, and it has just nonsense, nonsense, nonsense. That one keyword, 
and that's all you need to hear. It was like a lot of it was useful. But also, I don't like it when the journal is nothing but only useful items and then nothing else in there is, as I guess you could say, filler. Like, you need just the right amount of filler. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would say this one probably had, if the other stuff is not actual puzzle pieces, then it could be just good filler to make you think it could be another puzzle piece, but then actually winds up not being, per se. Right. But um, another uh, fun part about this was we did have, besides light, another limited resource. Do you want to talk about that other limited resource we were told about at the start, Melissa? Yes, the water. Mm-hmm. Tell <laughs> us about that. I think it's okay if we talk about this in detail. Yeah, so we did have to get water from a little tombstone, but before we even uh, got to that part, we were warned that there is a limited supply of water within this a little, t- uh, little tombstone thing, so... We weren't sure how much we would have to use for the puzzle. Plus, she said, make sure you're very sure of what you want to use it for because, again, the limited supply. So um, it was it was funny, like, yeah, that we're told ahead of time, and if you run out, the game master would just have to come in with a water bottle and just hand that to us. That would have been very amusing. <laughs> so, I mean, I... I don't know how it's built. Maybe it's just like a reservoir that they fill up ahead of time. But like, it seems to me that that's the get a bigger reservoir or I don't know. Like it, it just, as well as this room is designed, it seems like a bit of a flaw to have something that we can like screw ourselves on. We're like, oh, we used up all the water. I guess we lose. Yeah. You know? it, it also kind of ruins a bit of a surprise element on there for like, uh, oh, you got to go through and you and pull water from this in order to get to there. Now we already know in advance that we have to, at some point, use water to solve mm-hmm. a puzzle. Exactly, yeah. It's like being told, like, and careful of your flashlight batteries, they'll run low fast. We have flashlights? Oh, I guess we'll get those later on in the game, exactly. <laughs> so, the, of course, the room has multiple rooms <clears throat> to it um, with many different puzzles. The one thing I like the most about this is the the... Doors to the different rooms were not immediately obvious to me at all. I don't know about you guys, but when the first door opened, I didn't even see it open. Chris, you were like, it's right there. I'm like, I don't see a door open at all. (laughs) That also has to do with how dark the room is, too. True. But I think it's definitely a strength of this that, you know, normally whenever you walk into an escape room, you're like, oh, that bookshelf slides open because you can see the scrapes on the floor. Or just you can tell that bookshelf is going to slide open because it looks like a fake bookshelf. So I definitely think the theming of this room is pretty good. How about you guys? What did you think about the overall theming and how well they actually, the quality of the design was? Absolutely fantastic. I love, uh, I especially loved our end room that we ended in, uh, which uh, we took a picture in. So that was really just awesome with their uh, theming they had for it. With the skulls on the wall? Yes. Yeah. I mean, that's all on their website. I think we could talk about the skulls on the wall. Yeah, yeah definitely. Those it, were interesting to see. It's mm. definitely a photo-worthy uh, background for sure. Mm, especially for the spooky season that we just got through, yeah. Um, Melissa, any favorite parts that you want to talk about for the room? Um, I enjoyed the fact that there were some smaller rooms, but at the same time a little scared because small places... Yeah, not the most exciting, but... Mm. Yeah, and there, were, and there were a couple small place moments in there as well, which uh, you got to experience firsthand. Yeah, I got to climb inside of a coffin, as always. That's fun. Not my first time inside of a coffin in an escape room. Oh, interesting. <laughs> I once got... Well, I once went into a coffin, 
that then did the Scooby-Doo where like it turned me around and put me into another room. <laughs> I once went into a coffin, well not a coffin, but a magician shaman half box, but it was like a coffin and it dropped down below and I had to crawl through like a little passage underneath to like pop up somewhere else. So yeah, yeah I'm, crazy. I'm familiar with getting to a man-shaped and sized box. I've and then having the lid closed. I've never had an experience quite like that, but I have once been handcuffed to a wall in an escape room and was the last one to be escaped because I was the only one that had previous escape room experience. Oh, that happened to me once too, but my friends were all jerks because it was a James Bond-themed room <laughs> and I really wanted to play it and we were all handcuffed and they left me handcuffed last <laughs> just so they could all go into the next room and say, wow, this place looks great. You should see this, Greg. It's amazing. And then they came and got me after like two minutes of me swearing up at them up and down. <laughs> Um, I, I do really also think the props were great and the tools that we got to use. Not a single lock and key in this entire game. Not a single combination right. lock. Mm -hmm. I didn't think about that, but because yeah, that's like a trope with almost every escape room. Mm -hmm. There's usually a key you have to find, or you have to plug in a combination. Mm -hmm. There wasn't in this one. The only kind of combination that most people would associate with the escape room was the kind of turning cipher thing. But I mean, they fit thematically with the room so it's fine and I then think. even to solve for it it actually was a lot more cleverer than just the traditional uh solving that you would find on there so i actually really liked the way i found uh, they had you go through and find the uh, answers for that versus just traditional methods mm -hmm. and then um the other thing i really did enjoy about this room is that it's not a one and done room Meaning that it's not once you use an item once, you throw it on the ground and say, I'll never come back to this item. We kept using things over and over again. Like, do you want to go over some of the multiple uses we had for just the stake? Yeah, honestly, I think I held on to the stake and the crucifix pretty tightly. Because, again, I didn't know what to expect. And I was afraid of something jumping out at me. And I guess in some form, I thought that would help me. So I did hold on to those real tight throughout the rooms. And that was helpful because they were needed. Right. It's also nice that it gave you some mental comfort there too. Exactly. <laughs> but I mean, like just to, you know, go over the multiple uses for it, for the crucifix, we had to hand that to, we had to, we had to put that crucifix in multiple specific places mm -hmm. and then take it out and put it in another place. Like it just, in just in one of the last rooms, you had to like put into like four specific slots on walls mm -hmm. that like, even if I wanted to spoil, I can't because how do I describe that room without like verbally at all like you guys were in it it's like a small room with strange runes all over the place and yeah just... th that room for a certain definitely required a lot of teamwork and i really don't see how you could do that with just two people because you really did need three people to sufficiently do that room uh easily yeah that's one thing i've always said i, I like in rooms is when they do the the team has to split up because one person can see what to do while the other two people have to do what needs to be done Mm -hmm. You know, and I mean, I think I got you guys through it pretty easily, but God help me to try to explain. Like, it's the thing that's like two little lowercase r's crossing each other. I tried that at once. I was like, okay, that's not going to work for any other symbols past there. So let's just go four over five down. Just, you know. Um, the one thing I also do enjoy about 60 out that some other rooms don't do is we did have to revisit rooms at the end. Mm-hmm. Normally, in many other rooms, it's once you move past the library, you never see the library again. But I like that we had a chance to go back and revisit um, some of the other rooms that we did. But overall, before we wrap it up, any favorite puzzle overall that you did enjoy the most, Melissa? Mm, that would probably be... 
Honestly, the, the room that you were just describing where I had to put the crucifix into those very particular spots, that was the funnest. Okay. How about you, Chris? What was your favorite puzzle overall? Ooh, that's a tough one. Actually, I'd probably have to say back in the uh, first room mm -hmm. where uh, they had like this wall to where you had to go through an activated pattern, and I wasn't expecting uh, the lights to appear with it. And I just thought that was just really clever how they had that, and it was just so well hidden that you couldn't even tell that what that would uh, happen in it. Yeah, I think I think my favorite one that we did. Um, there's one puzzle where it's almost like pictograms telling a story, and some of them are up, and then other ones are have fallen. We had to put the story back in order. I always liked that, and we were kind of arguing at one point. No, no, this is clearly first, and. And not this, because look at where he's standing versus there. I'm like, no, but it's reversed. Like, they switched the order of it. So that was kind of a fun little, like, trying to figure out the linear narrative of this story that's being told there. Um, the other one was, of course, there's one puzzle that deals with magnets. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was a fun little way to do that, you know. Um, yeah, overall, I think this room is fantastic. I highly recommend it. I'm definitely going to take Lauren back because... She unfortunately wasn't able to join us for this time, and she's got to go back and do this room. Yeah, it's very fun. Um, any last comments or uh, anything that you didn't like about the room? How's that? Other than the lack of light, anything that kind of bugs you about the room or the experience in general? I mean, me personally, I think the Game Master was a little chatty this time around. Yeah, because like, uh, we were still solving the puzzles, and she said that we would have to unanimously agree for uh, help on her, mm -hmm. and... She just... we, we never asked for a clue. Yeah, but then she would just tell us. Yeah. I mean, there was one where I had to keep doing something to activate a sound cue from the game itself that would tell us what the clue was. And I kept doing that. And then at one point, I think she just came and said, guys, it's this. I'm like, Yeah, because admittedly, I have a hard time hearing and the uh, clue itself was already hard to hear. Right. So it was just hard to kind of make out what it was that uh, uh, that was being said on there. Plus, with me screaming constantly, that didn't help. <laughs> <laughs> any any um, criticisms, Melissa? Not criticism. Well, I guess. Um, or again, constructive criticisms, maybe. Like. <laughs> yeah, because again, I, like we were saying before, it works to have less people in the room. Mm -hmm. But there was one part in particular where I could see it being useful that we had more people. Right, and right. Mm -hmm. Because we had to be in like it's five or six places at once and there's only three of us. So it's like, okay, well you have to run to, <laughs> yeah. to get there on time. Um, so yeah, it's, it's a weird balance to the room. I would hope that with four more, they would maybe give us another lantern or another light source, but who knows? I mean, I'm looking at some of the promo pictures and I only see one in the promo pictures for, the, uh, each, for each item, so. Maybe they don't give that to you. I would hope so. The only other complaint that I have, and it's kind of a timely complaint. I've made this about other rooms before. But, I mean, we're recording this still in the middle of COVID times. And multiple times we had to take our masks off to breathe on something. Yes. Not just one room, but in the first room and in the last rooms, we had to literally take our masks off and go <sighs> onto something multiple times. And, like... Melissa, not to not to make you feel bad, but you're a shorter person, and you <laughs> you tried and you couldn't reach it, so I had to come over and blow onto something that you just blew on. Yeah. And I mean, I've had my my vaccine. I believe you've had yours. Of course. Yeah. So like, I feel safe around you guys. We're friends. We're all crowding around a mic right now without our masks on. It's fine. 
But I'm just saying that, like, I don't know who the person was who breathed them that before. People don't know me when they come after, so... Yeah, and even so, it's still also, I imagine, like, a hazard with the workers. I'm sure they're going through and sanitizing as well. Mm -hmm. But still, that does mean that they're going to have to pick it up. So it's still a risk no matter how you want to look at it, even if they are sanitizing. Yeah, but how, how did you guys feel, though, going to an escape room in general in this time? Did you guys feel comfortable? I mean, we kept a max on the entire time. All in all, felt a little reassured. This was actually our first escape room uh, since uh, the pandemic started. Okay. We haven't gone since before then, just because well, our wedding was right at the start of everything. It was, actually. So we like, all... you guys were, like, day one, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So, happy anniversary, <laughs> by the way. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, thank, thank you. you. But, I mean, what was your comfort level for it? Like, obviously, you're willing to come out and do it, but, like, do you feel confident to do escape rooms again? Like, would you want to have any other security or safety precautions in place before you did another one like how do you feel melissa i really enjoyed this and definitely would feel comfortable doing again but again like we were saying the part that we had to like you know blow something we had to put our mask down for that and i did notice that one of the things that we had to blow through it was dusty so again don't know how often it's being cleaned and mm -hmm. yeah didn't want to blow on something and then dust particles just fly right Okay, well, thank you guys so much for joining us. Um, Chris, uh, what is your social media handles? Anything oh, yeah. going on? Uh, all my social media is at Gundam Vader. Uh, primarily do Instagram, just kind of do uh, adventure posts. So just random outings from Disneyland to just hiking and other things. Nice. Melissa, do you have any social media you wish to share? No, I'm not too much on social media, although I will say just to remember to always pay for your exorcisms because if you don't then you get you know you could get repossessed i love it thank you so much for joining us guys and we'll see you <laughs> next time thank you thank you so i have all my blood intact <laughs> thankfully right yeah always good to do a, a good vampire room because we we've done one before but it wasn't that great we did. That's right. It wasn't over in Palm Springs or something. Yeah. Like the notorious like wasteland for escape rooms because <laughs> yeah. there's nothing good out there, guys. Yeah. Well, there, there's one room that gets good reviews, but uh, we had a really bad experience yeah. there. So I, I will say as a side note after that escape room report, I always do think escape rooms are more challenging. Mm -hmm. And in the moment, I don't like it as much. But at post, I always appreciate when they give you the challenge of not enough light. Mm -hmm. Because like, if it was a big group, okay, give me a knife the torch. Yeah. But with a smaller group, I think one light source is fire, mm -hmm. fair and fine, you know, because then you really have to work together and it's more thematic. It gets your heart pumping a little bit more. So I appreciate it. Yeah. Um, we have a couple more escape rooms uh, booked for 60 Out uh, for the rest of this year. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, so once again, thank you to 60 Out for providing us with that free year of escape rooms. You yeah. know, we won it through that contest of theirs, which yeah. I... Which they... Nicely extended for us because of graciously extended yeah. for us for 2020, <laughs> which and, we appreciated. You know, I I just want to give also a big shout out personally to Haley Olgas, who's the person who I book 60 outs through. Haley, mm -hmm. you're wonderful. I always give you the best uh, advance notice I can mm -hmm. for them. Sometimes it's not that many days, but she's always pulled through for me. So yeah, thank you very much, very Haley. Prompt. Um, so let's go on to our Friday favorites. Lauren, what is your Friday favorite for the holiday season? <laughs> well, I don't know if it's very holiday-ish. That's fine. But um, 
we recently had some people over that we haven't seen in a while and they're huge Disney fanatics. Mm-hmm. And so we introduced them to Villainous and we, we have a copy of Villainous, but we haven't played it in ages. The base copy. We do. We only yeah. have the base copy, um, but we hadn't played it in ages. Um, and it was kind of nice, like introducing it to someone new and then just playing it again because it had been so long. Mm-hmm. I played a character that I, I've never played before. Um, you never played Jafar? No, I've never played Jafar. I thought Jafar. you had. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so that was nice, um, to play a different character because the, the thing about Villainous is all the characters play differently. You have different goals. Mm -hmm. And I think in typical Villainous fashion, you know, it's, you have to pay attention to your own goal, but you have to pay attention to what other people are doing. And, you know, once again, we kind of, um, maybe it neglected someone who was getting further ahead than we thought. And probably should have put a stop to it, you know? Me. Yeah, you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, because my strategy is, first of all, I was playing the Queen of Hearts. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I'm i kind of the biggest jerk when it comes to villainous because I will constantly point out, oh, so Chris is 25% of the way towards its goal, guys. Maybe uh-huh. we should do something about that, you yeah. know? But also, I think in true villainous fashion, we were all getting close to our goals, so yeah. it was like who who is who's going to get that first, get that yeah. first. So you know it was hard to kind of decide who to fate. That's kind of the one thing I do like is that it's kind of like the mad scramble. Like I always picture, like there's the one prize goal and everyone's like yanking each other by the ankles backwards while they yeah. claw forward. You yeah, because we've definitely had it where like everybody is in a position to win. It's just whose turn is it next? Everyone's yeah. like, oh, well, on or, my next or, turn, I would have won. Or we keep saying, like, oh, won. she's going to win. Yeah. Somebody fate her and hope it's the card that we need. Mm-hmm. You know, because, like, for example, for Jafar, if Jafar's about to win and Aladdin comes out or Abu comes out in that clutch moment, your your game is done. Uh-huh. Like, you know, or same with the Little Mermaid for uh, Ursula. So um, that didn't happen because I just played croquet really well. <laughs> and honestly, I got like the luckiest draw ever for take the shot. So, mm-hmm. but it's still really fun to go back and play it every now and then. I still say Ursula's broken as all heck. Yeah. So, well, and I think part of that comes with the base model, right? Yeah. So I think if we had, I mean, we've played some of the other versions, um, at, you know, the conventions and stuff. Oh no, um, I would be willing to get so, you know, I think, I think that's the problem is that maybe the first draft wasn't as good. I think that, yeah, with the expansions, they hope to have more ideas and mm-hmm. expand some more. I'd be willing to get with the expansions, but the problem is, like, there's so many great villains in so many different expansions, mm-hmm. and they did it on purpose. Yeah. So that way, like, I'd have to buy one or two different ones uh-huh. at least. Just to, I have to have Hades, and I have to have Radigan, and they're different <laughs> packs. Yeah. So, um, my Friday favorite, um, I'm, I'm really into the RPG setting, mm-hmm. you know, right now, and I want to play something with a story and i mean really we talked about how we have new stuff fables um you know i know one of our friends has um forgotten waters that's always a fun one for me you know so just and of course we do have the dungeons and doggos mm-hmm. uh, ones that you've been painting you've been taking a break from that but you know maybe we'll get back into yeah. that i just as long as it's got something where i can roll dice and tell a story i'm happy so like <laughs> i know i don't i'm supposed to pick something specific uh-huh. so i'll just say stuff fables for now but like <laughs> really anything with dice and story would make me very happy this christmas season so yeah that's what i'm going to go with okay um so like we said we will be part of that DD uh charity stream so greg will get hey plenty, there you go there's my favorite favorite <laughs> yeah and for once greg isn't dming so oh, he gets to just be a Lord. player um, which I think he will greatly enjoy. I'm going to wreck that game. <laughs> um, so here is our co-host, Matt, to tell you a little bit more about that. 
What's up, Combat Crew? Matt here from the Mortal Combat Podcast, and I wanted to take a second to let you all know that on Friday, December 17th, starting at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, we will be hosting our annual charity stream live at twitch.tv slash naturalhattrick. That's N-T-R-L-H-A-T-T-R-I-C-K. And this year, we will be raising funds for heart support and their mission to make mental health care more accessible for all. We will be playing a custom 5e D&D game where your donations directly affect the game. You can cast creatures to battle our heroes, cast spells for or against them, buy a mystery token to put down the Plinko board, or summon a mighty dragon. And we are setting out to raise $1,000, and we would love to have you come hang out and have some fun with us. And as an added bonus, if we make our goal of $1,000, the folks from the podcast will be doing the One Chip Challenge live on that stream. Seriously, Google it. It's pretty wicked. Hope to see you all there on Friday, December 17th, starting at 4 p.m. Pacific Time. Music for this episode was provided by toymusiccom.org. As always, you can find us anywhere podcasts are available. Rates and reviews on iTunes are much appreciated as it really helps new listeners find our podcast. We will be found at Game Friday on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook. Come talk to us with us. Thanks for listening. Happy holidays. Happy New Year. We'll see you in the new year and goodbye.